Well, good morning and welcome to this seminar, uh, Fraud and Pandemics from the Spanish Flu to the Present. Uh, my name is Graham Gordon and I'm delighted to be uh, the chair of this session. And I'm equally delighted, if not more so, to uh, introduce Michael Levy, uh, who will be speaking. In the meantime, let me talk about uh, some of our sponsors, which we'd like to thank the platinum sponsors, gold, silver, bronze, and personal sponsors who made it possible for us to put these seminars on for you today. Uh, moving on, thank you. The, uh, the personal sponsors, the bronze sponsors, the silver sponsors, which is coming up any moment, there we go. Uh, and of course the gold sponsors and then the platinum sponsors. Thank you all so much, because without these sponsors, uh, these events would not be able to uh, occur. I, uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Michael in a few moments. He's going to talk to us, as we said, on uh, the Spanish flu, the pandemic, and such things. Uh, I've got to say, uh, I, I apologize. I'm actually on vacation at the moment. But when Michael um, Minnelli asked me if I would chair this meeting, I jumped at the chance because Michael and I, Michael Levy and I, have spoken in a previous seminar and it was so fascinating. I was delighted to be able to uh, come forward and, and help him out on this and to listen to what he has to say. Uh, enough about me, however, let's move forward to Michael. Uh, and this is the today's agenda. Oh, we've gone too far. The today's agenda, uh, Michael will talk, we'll have some Q&A, and then uh, we'll move back to uh, Michael for a wrap-up call, and thank you very much. So without more ado, less of me, more of Michael. Michael Levy, thank you. Okay, well, uh, morning, everyone, uh, if you're in this time zone. Uh, uh, like fraud itself and its control, um, the, um, the picture on the slide, um, is where we might like to be rather than where we are at the moment. Um, and uh, perhaps it might have been good to have entitled this Frauds and Pandemics because uh, one of my themes is going to be uh, that using one label to describe a, a huge variety of different kinds of phenomena is actually not a great idea. Um, I'll be making the same point about organized crime. Next slide, please. Great. Um, well, you can see the resemblance between me and Russell Crowe, um, at least if, you're, if you've got bad eyesight. But the, um, yes, no, no, back to, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, so I was commissioned by the Australian government um, to do a review with a colleague of mine from Australia um, a while back. And uh, it started out as a small project. And like many of the projects I've been involved in over the uh, decades, um, it, it grew. Um, and uh, since then, I've also got a small grant from the British Academy to look at uh, fraud in the pandemics uh, back to 1850, um, even before I was born. Uh, when I was a kid, the Dead Sea was only slightly sick. Um, and also to look uh, as far as we can for what evidence is available 
on the impact of the measures that have been taken around the world to deal with uh, COVID pandemics. Uh, next slide, please. So we're looking at um, pandemics, economic trends to which they're related, and fraud risks. Um, and I think it's important to think, well, what is the effect of the pandemic, and not just on fraud itself, but on our reactions to fraud, because those things are intimately linked. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett uh, and uh, is that you only find out who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. Uh, there aren't any, as far as I know, extant photos of me being in that condition or at least, or even of Matt Hancock. Um, but the but we do need to factor in the length of time that it takes before conduct that we define as corruption or fraud emerges if it ever does uh, in our analysis of the linkages and uh, one of the themes that i'm going to stress is that different sorts of fraud have a different kind of uh, time to awareness and therefore we can expect differences as time goes on uh, and we need to separate out prevention and resilience efforts um, administrative controls and policing and criminal justice controls um, now everybody now has to ritually say lessons learned um, i'm going to query whether we actually are likely to learn lessons from this crisis, we always say that we do, but uh, as is often the case in the real world, um, what we say about what we're going to learn may be different from where what we actually learn. Um, it, there's not a slide for this, but uh, those of us who are uh, you know, acquainted with the fraud literature uh, are familiar with the concept of the, the classic fraud triangle. Um, which is um, basically pressure um, on you, um, motivation, and um, rationalizations of fraud. Now, that was developed originally for embezzlers. Uh, and the whole point is that embezzlers, accountants generally, are often anyway, by virtue of their job, in a position already to defraud. Uh, it applies less easily to people who want to maneuver themselves to be in a position to defraud and therefore you need a slightly uh, different uh, complex and they may not be as wedded to respectability and find rationalization as difficult as to those of us who are in uh, respectable jobs and are attached to that view uh, in the routine activities models of crime uh, we also often think about uh, the targets of crime and we also think about third parties uh, in the literature this is called capable guardianship um, who might be able to intervene to stop crimes and those are issues that I want to uh, uh, focus on in cyberspace uh, physical capable guardians are less important, as we've uh, seen, for example, in the raft of ransomware attacks that we're 
uh, suffering from at the moment. Next slide, please. <coughs> so when we think about classifying and analyzing scams, um, I've already mentioned the problem I have about the term organized crime. Um, it's often very loosely defined. It's often evoking images of pyramids of mafia-type groups. Uh, those mafia-type groups do exist, but for fraud, what we have to think of, what kind of organizational format do we need in order to be able to accomplish frauds? And that could be just one person, or it could be a small group of, of networks. Uh, it often falls short of the kind of uh, evidence the police might be looking at in order to constitute an organized crime group. And that's very important when we come to analyze shifts in criminal behavior. Um, and also changes in target and third party defender uh, conduct. Fought against individuals online, offline, and and quite often nowadays blended frauds against business, whether it's uh, staff involvement, not necessarily the sole perpetrator, or ransomware, uh, frauds against government, both new and old opportunities. And data collection and validation issues often change over time. We need to think about the impact of technologies on that. Um, there are market opportunities in prevention as well. We often use fear or concern about crime to sell things like, for example, antivirus software. But are there also market failures in prevention? Um, I'm going to suggest that there are, partly because apart from kite marking and ISO number type uh, standards issues, uh, it's very difficult to you know, tell people, well, actually, that product is not very good. You really shouldn't be using it. Um, uh, this product is a lot better. Uh, it's very difficult for people in public service particularly to do that because they might be accused of breach of standards or even of corruption. Uh, next slide, please. Now, one of the interesting things that I found when going back to uh, Spanish flu and doing a lot of uh, research on the history of this is that there's almost no mention of fraud or corruption in the whole of the literature, medical and non-medical, about Spanish flu. Um, the Almost the only examples are those of companies, many of whom you'll still recognize, who advertise themselves as strengthening um, their ability to deal with, um, uh, with, with Spanish flu, uh, improving your resistance. It may be some of those adverts would have to be taken down, but there was no advertising standards authority to require that um, uh, then. And so you got quite a lot of uh, perhaps shaded behavior um, by major corporations. Next slide, please. So what's new this time? Uh, I think it's fair to say that the COVID-19 pandemic is the first systematic approach that I have uh, seen. And I actually started researching fraud in 1972, so that's 
quite a long time, uh, to combating health and financial scams during a pandemic or even during an epidemic in the UK or anywhere else in the world. There was right at the beginning a much more systematic approach. Um, the National Cyber Security Center, um, the much criticized action fraud, um, yet the UK finance, CIFAS, and a host of other uh, bodies uh, really made a determined effort to try to warn particularly people in uh, customer-facing roles um, about, or, or business-facing roles, about the risks of fraud, which had never happened before in any previous uh, health crisis. And it's tied to more general contemporary concerns about the impact of the internet and social media on fraud and for that matter on politics um, affecting the general public. Uh, now you can read public facing warnings against consumer and investment scams have been uh, proliferating, uh, you know, Google, etc., and other bodies have been doing scam watch. Though I have to emphasize that they're still taking money from scammers for putting their scams at the top of the list. And that is something that really needs to stop. Um, but we know very little about the effectiveness of these warning uh, techniques. Uh, there's almost no published data and very little private data about how good um, these, uh, these warnings are. You know, how often you visit a website is not a good measure of that kind of thing. We need to get a lot more sophisticated about it. Um, but there's no pandemic-related public advice that relates to reducing frauds committed by senior executives or to reducing corruption with the collusion of politicians. Um, uh, that's not very surprising, uh, but it's an important thing to bear in mind. Most of the stuff has been warning the general public about what they can or should or, or, or might do, uh, rather than about these more uh, background and often more, more heavy um, crimes. And of course, a lot of elite blue collar and organized crime frauds go on independently. So what we need to work out is the equivalent of um, uh, excess deaths in the fraud sphere, and that's a very tricky thing to do. So pandemics alter the shape of opportunities and the pressures on individuals, but they don't dominate the levels of fraud or other economic crimes. Um, next slide, please. In fact, uh, skip this one. Skip it. Uh, next, please. Um, now, UK Finance has got this helpful uh, monthly um, uh, warnings. Uh, these are not and not intended to be pure data point developments in the timing of scams, but they're all relatively short cycles from operation to victim or third party detection. I'm leaving successful interventions, including criminal justice pursuit, out of the picture for the moment, and they're not included on this slide. Next slide, please. So, what's the evidence so far? Well, we've got improved data from banks, police, and general population surveys, though the, uh, the ONS uh, crime survey uh, 
is not yet available for much of this period. And the UK bank data shows slight fall in frauds, even online frauds. Um, but of course, this may be the result of the, the intervention methods that we've been applying. So it's difficult to know what it might have been, what the counterfactual would have been. There have been big public education campaigns, huge frauds or alleged corruption. Um, I've changed the wording there against public purse. The Fraud Advisory Panel has been trying to get the Treasury to publish data about the um, the identities of everybody receiving um, uh, public uh, help or companies, um, but for reasons that are obscure, they haven't done that. The Cabinet Office has attempted uh, to get a lot of cross-government coordination, and they've done a, a better job than in any previous uh, crisis at doing that. Um, and there are, of course, also the chumocracy allegations with which we are uh, distressingly familiar about bypassing formal procurement. Um, of course, in some countries, for example, Brazil, there's currently allegations uh, that the government deliberately grossly overpaid for a poorly performing uh, uh, vaccine uh, in order to skim money off the off the top. We haven't had any of that kind of thing um, in uh, the UK, uh, but you know it's been announced. There's nearly thirteen thousand investigations by HMRC, but that's only a fraction of the million businesses that have used the furlough scheme uh, and out of the sixty-four billion or so. Uh, I've got some data, it's not uh, yet available. Um, but if you look at the trend diagram of Australian ScamWatch uh, data, for example, that shows a, a pretty uh, large increase. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, next slide, please. And those are UK bank fraud losses. Um, what they show is that you know, many types of fraud, of, of, of at least debit and credit card fraud, have fallen. Uh, the area that's increased is the e-commerce uh, fraud. Uh, next slide, please. Now, I'll just talk a little bit about the impacts of the global financial crisis. Um, I may be wrong, but uh, there may be one coming to a... Uh, a country near you. The credit squeeze brings a lot of frauds to light. Um, it's masked by the general levels of insolvency and creditors' unwillingness to pursue. And I want us to think about prepack administration in this kind of context. Uh, maybe on balance, prepacks are a good thing, um, but they certainly facilitate phoenixism. Um, which then is unlikely to be defined as fraud, but it may actually be fraud. Uh, so it depends on incentives. Next slide, please. Next. Yeah, thank you. Um, official resources are easier to find to deal with stigmatized group and for asset recovery than to deal with more elite suspects. That's just a political fact of life because it requires a lot of effort um, 
to prosecute. You know, if, if for example, uh, t we get a, a case like the H. Boss Reading um, uh, fraud, uh, then that can consume the entire resources of an entire police unit uh, for a year, which means they can't deal with anything else. Um, there are clear positive net returns for more tax fraud investigators, um, but elite staff investigators need to be trained. Uh, you know, the government has promised a thousand extra um, uh, people, um, but they don't grow on trees. Uh, they'll probably be reallocated from other functions in part. And we need to be realistic about what those extra resources can achieve in the context of the scale of the problem. Uh, next slide, please. Now, one of the things that we know about the impacts of the general finance, global financial crisis is that more individuals take bigger risks to pay to obtain jobs from gang masters or to get better returns from investments or pension schemes. Um, and this leads to a bigger supply of victims. Now, fast forwarding to the present, with negative or ultra low interest rates, temptations are greater still. Uh, real interest rates are not a con concept widely understood um, by ordinary people. And so we can expect a lot more of this kind of uh, 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 scam as things go forward. Next slide, please. So the global financial crisis, you know, recoveries uh, remained and still remain pretty pitiful as a proportion of the scale of the problem. Does this matter? Is prevention not the key rather than criminal justice for these events? It's commonly accepted that we can't prosecute our way out of the situation. Um, but, um, you know, looking at things today, little evidence of predicted boom in insider frauds yet, or organized crime involvement in fraud, there's better evidence of that. But we do need to link more data. One of the things I would strongly recommend we do at the moment, and we should have been doing it already, is more social network analysis. That's what SNA stands for, to try and you know link the background of uh, uh, of what appear to be different corporations uh, involved in uh, in loan schemes. Yeah, and that is an area of much better intelligence that we've uh, developed. Uh, next slide, please. These are just some examples of fraud warnings. I'm just going to skate through them. They're just visuals for you to see. Uh, next slide, please. You know, we can see that uh, warnings have been adopted for different kinds of, uh, of phenomena. Uh, are you able to move on? Uh, whether it's courier frauds, whether it's hacking prevention, whether it's um, pet frauds. Um, if it's not working, it doesn't matter. Uh, romance frauds, many of you may think that all romance is a fraud, but uh, we'll leave that particular issue aside. Um, so 
I will move to the uh, conclusion that I've got, um, which is that apart from government loans and anti-COVID purchasing, there's probably not a tsunami tide of new fraud. Maybe there will be one if there's a recession, um, but there certainly has been and will be revealed when those loans come through, come through uh, and crystallize, uh, there'll be a tsunami of frauds against government uh, loans. How many of those will actually be dealt with um, as fraud is uh, remains to be seen. Um, many, but not all, online offenders will be in hard-to-reach countries uh, without easy extradition, or they'll be in jurisdictions where there's a, some level of political protection for offenders. And this is a challenge for prosecutor autonomy, integrity, and reputation. But we will need to... Uh, next slide, please. Um, and the next one. Uh, we'll need to watch out for a lot more management frauds in future. And cross-border cooperation and public-private cooperation remain crucial in reducing fraud and stopping the outflows of money. And basically, the faster we stop frauds via data sharing and outreach to those at risk, and by active auditing, the less harm is done. Um, and uh, uh, those are the key messages I wanted to, to get across. Uh, so we need to think about the changes that there have been in, in target and victim behavior. Uh, obviously, working from home was predicted to lead to a large increase in fraud. Um, and perhaps uh, uh, blackmail, um, but the, uh, that hasn't been an obvious result so far in the data, um, but we can expect to see more of it as things emerge. And uh, the final thing is that uh, what are we going to do in terms of pursuing and trying to get back the money and what is the role of criminal justice in all of this? Because even though criminal justice is not realistic for most of these frauds, there's still an issue about justice that people care about. And there's also an issue about reassurance policing that something is being done. And this legitimacy point is an important point that we can easily forget when we're looking at the technicalities of prevention. So thanks very much for listening. Um, sorry the slides didn't work as seamlessly, um, but not that important in the final analysis. Well, thank, thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, despite the, the technological uh, issues, um, it's, it was, as I expected, it was a, a tour de force. And so thank you. Uh, we have, uh, I would ask everyone if you have the questions for Michael to please put them in the chat bar uh, and I will pass them on to him uh, as I'm about to do. Uh, the first one, if I may, Michael, you, you mentioned that the, um, the pandemic appears to be the first time when there were certain government agencies creating warnings in advance, as it were, or uh, as it was evolving uh, about the fraud and investment scams, etc. 
Is this just, the question is, is this just because of the significant IT or electronics interaction that is now occurring? Or is it more that fraud, more, uh, sorry, is it more that fraud levels are more in the government minds or is it something else? Because you mentioned the sort of CFG, et cetera. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, better question than my answer is going to be. Uh, I think it's a, uh, there is more, fraud is more in the government's mind than it was. I mean, I, I was involved in the 2006 fraud, government fraud review, which the Attorney General led. Uh, Peter Goldsmith um, and at that time there was quite a big awareness and a reshaping of the boundaries um, but that rather slipped away um, uh, so I think it's not just government awareness it's also private sector awareness and bank awareness um, but I do think that the technology function uh, is has been pretty critical in terms of communicating messages um uh, and of course so many more people are now buying stuff online or seeing uh, adverts for investment online than was the case and via social media so we can't entirely separate out these issues thank you uh, i i reiterate to uh our uh viewers that uh, and listeners that please do send your questions through the chat bar and i will ask uh, moving, moving on, if I may, um, you mentioned towards the end uh, about justice and the fact that um, you know the criminal justice as opposed to justice with a with a capital J, if you will, uh, and people feeling that uh, the effect the uh, fraudsters are being brought to book. Now, to what extent do do you think, or do you, are you uh, proposing that? actually uh without outside of the criminal justice there's still a justice element to uh for the government or the law enforcement to uh evoke um yeah i think there is a um uh an element of justice and i know that uh, some police forces around the country are struggling hard um and prosecutors to bring cases I think, you know, if we look at the broad spectrum of fraud from the serious fraud office to what a local police force and CPS uh, would would deal with or trade trading standards are also important in this spectrum, um, then uh, we'll see that um, as has always been the case with uh, HMRC policy, uh, a sample of cases is being dealt with in, in a criminal justice way pour décourager les autres. Um, and, you know, we don't know very much about how good that messaging is in, in deterrent terms. You know, what's our target audience for it? Existing criminals, potential criminals, but there's also reassurance for the public that people are not getting away with things that they find outrageous. Um, and it, so it's a balance of of issues. Justice has perhaps been in uh, in, in shorter supply uh, than people might than many people, including me, might hope. Um, but it never was richly supplied. Uh, it was more when I when I did a review for the Royal Commission on Criminal Justice in 1992-3. Um, 
it was in more plentiful supply then, but there was never a golden age of prosecuting white collar crimes. Um, uh, but I think it's fair to say that resources were cut back. Um, and if you're going to deal with a very uh, influential and powerful target, you need a lot more resources to deal with that than an ordinary one. But I think people have been unduly dispirited. I think where we need to get to is that a lot of small frauds are not that complicated to deal with. People get put off by the term. Um, but we need to think about what forensic skills and data skills do we really need for what sorts of frauds. And I think that's the way to get to. So, yes, we do need more resources. Um, where's that going to come from? Political will. Can I just say, uh, on a purely personal note, um, uh, back to a comment you made earlier, as a qualified chartered accountant and someone who leads a chartered accountant, an accountancy firm or, or group of firms, um, it's, it's accountants get a bad name. It's qualifications uh, and all that. However, I digress. Uh, question, you, you obviously brought up the Spanish flu and you said that you, know, you showed the uh, potential uh, fraudulent claims of, of Bovril and OXO and various other uh, entities at the time. Um, but you also mentioned that a lot of the, the uh, issues this time with finding the uh, or prosecuting the individuals are because then they're uh, transnational or they have uh, other um, political support, shall we say, from outside the country. To what extent, I mean, what does your research show the extent that this is the the primary source or, or the the, uh, the larger section of the, the fraudulent uh, population, shall we say? Well, we don't know what the exact distribution is because uh, to know that we'd have to follow up on all the frauds that get reported. Um, uh, the, the, and the background linkage that was one of the things I highlighted as a way forward um, is uh, done more in the private sector and up to a point by HMRC um, than, uh, than it is in, in routine cases. But I think it is fair to say that, that foreign organized uh, uh, networks and groups are responsible for a significant percentage. It would be absurd to say what percentage um, because we just don't know. But a lot of the stuff is actually done by smaller local networks. And some of it is done, if it's not too complicated, by... Uh, existing crime groups that just think, ah, oh, here's a good opportunity. Uh, if they happen to know people, not of your distinguished uh, accounting body, uh, but other enablers um, that they meet, uh, they haven't been able to meet them so easily during COVID, uh, that they happen to meet who can kind of help them develop their schemes, then they'll move into that just as the long-firm fraudsters that I studied in the 70s um, uh, did. So it's a question of what can produce a, a step change uh, in that process. And we know that uh, a lot of the foreign groups um, already have that step change. They've just adapted uh, 
what they were doing anyway to a COVID environment. Um, but this is where the reforms in Companies House in the controls of beneficial ownership um, are so important and they need to be done in real time. Uh, and, and I can't stress enough, we need to be able to react faster. It's not enough to be able to trace these connections after the money's gone. Uh, on that on that same stream, you mentioned prepacks and the obvious, uh, shall we say, uh, ability for people to to part, uh, lose money uh, or uh, cut off the uh, the connection to the money by going through the prepacks. What would you? I mean, what does your research suggest? Uh, changes should be made, assuming that prepacks carry on to try and. Uh, Prevent the uh, the fraudster using a prepack way of uh, disposing of the money or reducing removing the money. Um, well, I think we probably uh, it's a very complicated uh, question, and I haven't been researching it intensively. But uh, I would say that what we need to do is to is to check the number of previously delinquent directors more carefully. We need to resource the insolvency service and uh, incentivize um, uh, firms to, to report this more and act on it. It's a question of creating an intelligence database to deal with this. There's no reason why, um, and, and I know that uh, uh, Don and Bradstreet and uh, uh, Experian, for example, used to um, operate this uh, this kind of data set, uh, and the insolvency service used to. But we need to think about this as a systemic problem that we've got to tackle. Uh, it's unfortunate, but the real world, if people get away with it once or twice, but it's when we have systematic phoenixisms as uh, places like the Mail on Sunday, uh, uh, reporter uh, Tony Hetherington is often stressing. Uh, we need to take more notice of, of these events and uh, have more systemic interventions to try and ensure that people uh, don't uh, don't do it as easily uh, as they used to be. I mean, we know that the legal cases in in that follow this um, sometimes fail and for. Defamation reasons. I won't give you any examples, um, but the um, but it is very important to maintain to keep the faith and improve our skill sets uh, in 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 dealing with them because it's an important source of quasi criminal abuse. I won't put it higher than that. Thank you. Well, I. I appear to have run out of, of questions, but I'm sure there there are others which I'm sure the uh, the, the members of the the audience will want to ask at some stage. So we have put uh, connections on the chat bar, both for uh, Michael, should you wish it, and myself, should you wish to ask me a particular question. That'd be very strange, but uh, I'm happy to ask the questions. Uh, and they're on the chat bar, so please do get in touch. Uh, in closing, uh, I, if we can have the next slide, I'm going to yet again thank our, our sponsors, the uh, Bronze, Silver, Gold, 
uh, and platinum sponsors and personal sponsors, without whom uh, the FS Club will be unable to put the, uh, such events on. Uh, and thank you so much, uh, Michael. It has been uh, yet again a pleasure, and I'm delighted that uh, I was asked to uh, chair this because uh, I'm so glad uh, we were able to talk through. And um, it has been refreshing. I am on vacation, and this is a vacation uh, event that I was looking forward to. Thank you. Let me remind you now about the uh, upcoming events, as you can see them on your screen now. Monday, the 5th of July, uh, it's not just the day that uh, Boris is going to tell us whether we're going to be free or not, but it's also uh, between uh, 1600 and 1645, we've got the psychology of seduction, um, which I don't think Boris and his uh, cabinet really need, need to know too much about, given the previous events. However, then on Thursday, the 8th of July, at uh, 1500, that's three o'clock for those of you in, in old money, um, the Financial Centres of the World 2021 focus on British Virgin Islands. As you know, the FS Club and uh, Yazen Group uh, are very close. And they, they do uh, they, they have the index of the Financial Centres of the World, and so this would be a, an excellent opportunity to look at the British Virgin Islands, one of the key areas. Um, in fact, uh, as Michael knows, probably one of the areas where we have uh, issues with this particular uh, topic as well. However, on Tuesday the 13th at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11.45, there's the ESOP sofa, hot topics of employee share ownership. Uh, I know I've been involved in an ESOP before now and it's been very worthwhile, but they have to be uh, looked at particularly careful or, or else you can actually uh, do the exact opposite of that which is intended. So that's Tuesday the 13th at 11 o'clock in the morning. And Wednesday the 14th of July, the Nifty 50, true story behind the infamous stock, uh, infamous stock bubble. Uh, and uh, for those of you who saw it in passing, there have been a number of such events that um, Michael alluded to in one of his slides earlier um, with not quite the South Sea bubble, but uh, various other uh, events going along. Uh, to find out more about any kind of these events, please do go to the, the website, which is down below. Uh, fsclub.ezen.com slash events slash forthcoming hyphen events slash so thank you one and all i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did um maybe even more I, but it was really good news michael thank you uh, once again it's been a, it's been a great pleasure and remember the frauds as one fraudster put it when i said what's the code of the underworld do your friends first they're easier um, I keep my hands in my pockets in that case. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much indeed, Michael. And thank you, one and all. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you uh, again on Monday, the 5th of July, for the psychology of seduction. Thank you. Bye bye.